Welcome everyone to Advisory Advantage, episode three. I'm Richard Francis, the CEO of Spotlight Reporting, Chartered Accountant, and I'm joined by Michael Carter, Practice Paradox, uh, providing marketing goodness to the accounting industry. MC, who's our guest today? And g'day Richard and g'day everyone. And it's fantastic to have Matt Sharwood from Advice Accountants from Bathurst, New South Wales with us today. G'day Matt. G'day MC. Howdy. I appreciate you setting aside time in the middle of um, a busy day, but when Richard and I were brainstorming, who can we uh, have some really good conversations with about how to deliver advisory to the vast majority of their clients? Well, you know, you came to mind because you've been kicking a few goals in that space. So uh, thanks for your time today. No problems at all. So Matt, let's just start with the big picture. Why do you care so much about advisory, you know, in your role as an accounting firm? You know, what lights your fire about advisory and why have you focused on it so strongly in recent years? Uh, probably all kicked off, MC, when I left the accounting industry for a little while and owned uh, three or four businesses and we found out that there's a lot more to running a business than, than just looking at the numbers. And um, when I went back in the accounting industry when Zero came out, I fell in love with it and I could automate a few things. I thought, wow. We could really leverage this to give some clients some better advice on how to run a better business. So a lot of guys start off as technicians in business, but don't really know how to transform to that business role being the business owner. So I saw that as an opportunity. I'm pretty passionate about coaching and sharing some of the dumb things that I've done in business, and there's been plenty of those. So everyone's happy to talk about how they've been successful in business, but you make a lot of mistakes along the way. And I guess I just want to impart some of that knowledge onto my customers. And often you learn off your best customers anyway, so you, you build a bit of a community out of all that and you leverage everyone's businesses in the long run. So basically as a fellow entrepreneur, you, so you were in accounting public practice, you went yes. out into commerce but in your own businesses yes. and cloud accounting made you think, wow, I can achieve some really great things here now. Um, and you got back in the advisory game. So essentially entrepreneurship, whatever word you want. That could be tarnished these days, that word. But basically, yeah. the game of business, basically. Yes. Yeah. What I find in business, I mean, numbers are still important. There's no doubt about that. And a lot of guys really don't understand their numbers. I mean, it's quite interesting. You, you can go through the, the profit, loss and balance. And everyone knows those terms. And you go through it for the client. They walk out and they really have no idea what it's all about. So um, I think accountants can overcomplicate things and... Hopefully, through our reporting system, we've sort of dumbed it down a little bit. Dumbed down is probably not the right way, but we simplify it so people understand the numbers that we want to talk about. I mean, it's really, you know, it's a really interesting concept, Matt. I was actually talking to an American the other day, and he said, "Oh, I was trying to explain what Spotlight does." And he said, "So you do financial storytelling," and you know, there's an American spin on it, of course. But I actually thought that was quite smart. So what I'm interested in um, is, you know, you bring a lot of these experiences to the table. How do you engage, because I think this is where most, most accountants get scared, how do you engage with the customers and share those war stories and those bits of insight? I, I think accounts, when they have their meetings, Richard, they talk too much and they don't ask enough questions. And I think I learned that a long time ago. The more questions you ask, the more you learn about the business. And when you learn about a client's business, you can have a story that relates to it. So it's, it's not a pre-planned thing or not necessarily a pre-planned thing. It's just asking you know, simple questions inside the business. I mean, a classic example for a tradesman is, you know, what's your recoverable rate? How many hours are you charging a week? You know, are you discounting? And then when you talk about that sort of stuff and say, well, look, you've discounted 10 hours a week over, you know, 50 weeks, you times that by your charge rate, it becomes a large number and they actually get that. 
So yep. it's just sharing the simple things. And as you know, Richard, we um, customize our spotlight reports pretty well to fixed and variable costing. So then we have discussions that this is what you're going to turn over to break even. Then all of a sudden they've got a sales target they've got to hit each, each month. So it becomes pretty simple. So the, you've hit on two things there. I suppose asking the obvious questions and listening. It's, it just sounds so so simple. You wonder why um, so, so many accountants make it so hard. Um, on that, and, and obviously using something like spotlight reporting as a mechanism, how how broad do you go? Um, and what I mean by that is, when you're having the conversations with the clients, how much do you focus on other things? You know, the personal, the financial. Are you are you doing holistic advisory? I suppose is another way of putting it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think it's quite interesting. We've been doing tag teams uh, in, in our meetings of late uh, with some new team members and they're surprised that sometimes we'll have an hour meeting. We talk about the financials for five to ten minutes tops, then it's everything else. And I think that's where the accounting industry is heading, to be honest. It's about all the other things that we can do. Yeah. One of the things we do also, Richard, we prep clients a little bit. So we use a software called Infusionsoft. Before they come in from me, we'll send a, uh, an email out to them say your meeting's coming up. These are the three questions that we're going to talk about in this meeting. And so they've had time to think about it so we can have some really constructive um, conversations when we get there. So we're not putting them on the spot. Yeah, that's a great idea to prepare them for that conversation so that they can run through it in their mind beforehand. Top idea. And Infusionsoft, it's funny, it's called marketing automation, but you can use it for so many operational and service delivery system as well can't you it's not just about the marketing correct infusionsoft for a couple of years at least now i think yes yep. right. yeah yeah cool. it's taken us two years to probably get it really humming this year i think we're going to shoot it out of the ballpark so yeah pretty excited actually and matt you know when we first crossed paths i think you saw me present via webinar to a mind shop conference correct yes a number of years ago and when we first started talking you were in a situation where i think plenty of people listening to us now could relate where they're capable of doing advisory. They've got great tools. They've got great experience. But the challenge was attracting clients who wanted it in the first place and then having the conversation to bring them on board. So tell us about your journey of going from a business where you had a lot of clients on the compliance side of things, whereas now you've got everyone on compliance plus, when I say everyone, what percentage of your clients are on advisory? Oh, there's, I mean, there's two different levels of advisory inside our practice, but I reckon it would be 70 to 80% would have to be on advisory. I mean, we almost make it mandatory before you become a client of our practice that you've got to do that. And our fees incorporate all that type of stuff anyway. So I really try to avoid yearly type customers. No ones will do that if they are um, newly retired, you know, wealthy people that we can do some wealth creation type activities with. But other than that, we sort of almost demand that you've got to be quarterly with us. I think that makes a big difference. And the next innovation is, and it's quite interesting, it came from some conversations, we're actually locking in meetings every six weeks with our clients now. The reason we're doing that is we, we decide what to do. Three, we get, everyone does it, you, you leave the meeting, you get busy, you do other things, you forget what you're supposed to do. We catch up three months, oh, we're talking about the same things again. So we're just building in a bit more accountability with our customers. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Six weeks is an interesting interval there eh? because a month goes around pretty quickly, but a quarter is only four conversations a year. Sorry, Rich, back to you. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that because I used to have either a four or six weekly cadence myself. And I know when I've presented, Matt, a lot of accountants have, have almost been a bit disbelieving because, of course, they're coming from that 
uh, mindset of once a year and even quarterly is quite scary for them. Um, so rather than hear me bang on about it, how, how, how did you lock in that cadence? Because I, I think cadence on, a, on advisory and having that depth of connection is so important. It's quite interesting, Richard. I'm glad you asked that question because up to now we have been quarterly. It's only really that we've been, you know, we did sat down and did our strategic plan. We got talking and, yep. and then we went back and spoke to some of our best customers and said, look, would you rather go to six weeks? I mean, they can ring me any time. That's not a problem because with fixed fee, they, they're entitled to ring as much as they yep. like. But formalising it just it just seems a little bit different with these guys. I think, you know, they can actually get stuff done in that time frame. And it's almost like yep. on their... Their parent, you know, you've got to get it done by this certain date. And I think, I think people crave a little bit of that type of stuff. Yeah, they'll That's pay for accountability, money. won't they? Yeah, they Sorry. do. And it's easy to get distracted in business. I mean, I often talk about, you know, you're trying to get from X to Z, but you'll you'll zigzag all over the place, and you know, you probably should have gone through Y, but you'll go back to A, B, C before you even get close. So, it's just trying to, you know, do things more efficiently, I guess. And Interesting thing with um, that cadence, Matt, and, and uh, having that depth of conversation, it kind of ties in nicely with the earlier point about, you know, you have broad conversations that do factor in personal and financial rather than just pure business. One question um, I'm always intrigued by, because when I, when I do my transform presentations, I always ask people to put their hand up. What, what actual services do you offer that are advisory services? Uh, what do you consider to be advisory? I, 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 you know, I don't want to dance on the head of a pen because people debate this endlessly, but what yeah. actual services make up your packages? Uh, for us, we, a lot of it revolves around wealth creation, that type of stuff. So that we, we do a couple of different things. So we do the wealth creation type of stuff, and then that works filters back down the business of what we're going to achieve in the business to get to that wealth creation concept or idea that we are trying to achieve. It's simply just focusing on three or four big rocks that we need to achieve over each quarter to meet our overall strategic plan for the year. So the goal is we sit for two to three hours in May or June, more likely June for most of our our guys. We map out what we can do over 12 months and we break it down into 90-day cycles and six-week cycles. And it all comes down to a one-page plan. Now, it's not a 20-page document because that's crap. It's business business planning, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like the holy grail for our profession. And yet when I ask about who's doing strategic work with their clients or doing that business plan, very few hands go up. I'd love to hear what MC thinks about uh, the power of marketing that to a client base because uh, what, what Matt's doing uh, is the 5% of our industry in my view. Which yeah. is the clients are craving it. Yeah, I think one of the keys, and Matt, you can share your experience with this. When I was speaking to you um, earlier this week, I think it was, uh, and, you know, we don't have to share exact dollar figures, but essentially you've kind of tripled to almost quadrupled your average client value. Yep. So wow. when it was compliance focused, it was X and now it's getting up towards three and a half times that as the average. And one of the things that you've been able to do well, and it's been a big part of the strategy working together is attracting people who want advisory in the first place. We'll talk about how advice has gone about attracting those who want advice and aren't just looking for cheap compliance. Yeah, I might actually take a step back from that, MC. We had a conversation about this as well. So initially we worked on a concept of the avatars for a couple of different industries that we're really, really good at. And then we decided, well, maybe that's not quite exactly right. It's the people, the right sort of people that we're after. So we want people to want to grow their business, listen to us, 
be accountable and all that type of stuff. And yes, I know that a lot of them are, are soft qualities, but it's nothing worse when you have a client that blames everyone else for their problems and they don't look in the mirror themselves. And they're the people we don't want to work with. Everyone makes mistakes. That's business, you know. You're just going to get more right answers than wrong, ultimately. And um, in the past, as you know, MC, we've sort of targeted sort of, you know, the building industry and a few other types of industries. But, you know, the big thing now for us is we don't know the answer to it yet, MC, but I'm sure you will help us over the next couple of months is how we actually target some of those people that, you know, that want to grow businesses, et cetera, and be more profitable. Because ultimately, most of our referrals still come from our good customers. Mm. But the interesting thing is, if you do a good job of those good customers, they actually refer to you to good customers as well. They don't refer you does. Mm. If you have a day, you refer to day. <laughs> You've actually busted the myth there too, Matt, because so many accountants say, well, they're not out there. You just had special clients, and they probably say the same thing to you. But um, I'm sure, although they have those soft attributes, they're just standard businesses. Is that fair? You know, there's no... I think I think if you look at the, um, the whole um, vibe and messaging about your website and your content now is it talks about things that um, you know one thing that I really hate is on a website where people say our values are this and this and this and we are really caring and innovative so don't say it so explicitly what you've got to do is live it and breathe it so that people can see that you are that so some of the things that you do really well on your site is just talk about things that someone who is ambitious and progressive would gravitate towards yep. you know what i mean so you well, talk about the principles right. of growing a business now, I'm not even looking at it, but I think on the, the main screen it says we're not just about keeping score, it's about helping you win. You know, it's like winning the game of business, and I guess that's what we're all about at the end of the day. So, Yeah, absolutely. So on the, um, the sales side of things, what happens when you're with a new client? How does the conversation go now compared to how it may have gone in the past where, you know, a new client's a blank canvas in a way, they've got no necessarily preconceptions about what it is exactly that you do or don't do how does that conversation go these days compared to how it used to it's <laughs> an interesting question i'm saying really thought about that but i think of the latest client i picked up um it's in a really, a really profitable industry actually they're on some software called Banklink. Uh, really old i think they uh, they've got basic reports every quarter i think they don't think they had any meetings with the client um we spoke about automation, having numbers at their fingertips when they need them. We spoke about catching up quarterly, um, doing budgeting and all that type of stuff. So in the past, we probably said, yeah, we can do your tax. You know, we'll do some planning in the end of March and in the year we'll do your final tax returns and we'll, we'll see the following March. But now it's a totally different conversation. So it's about automation so they can spend less time doing the bookkeeping and more time on, on their business. And then you use us as the sanding board to help them grow their business look at margins, break-even points, all that type of stuff. So that client really had their first proper meeting with us on the Monday of this week, probably enough. And, um, yeah, just amazing conversation. We, they didn't know what their break-even point was or any of that sort of stuff. So it was quite an interesting conversation. We spoke about margins. You know, yes, we did the tax planning, but it's like 10% of a, of a 100% meeting these days. Isn't it amazing um, when you pick up clients from other accountants how ignorant some of those businesses are of really basic things like break even? Um, one of my pet peeves, and I, I got 
I got into a bit of a barney online with um, the usual suspects who are a bit anti-advisory around uh, a comment I made that if you're not doing cash flow forecasting for business clients, you're negligent as an accountant. Yeah. Um, now that, you know, you could probably insert other adjectives there as well. But I know you're a big fan of, of doing some forecasting, use, you know, more, more than just our tool, um, yeah. you know, for different requirements, which is, which is great. Um, just tell us, because I, I think, again, a bit like strategy and business planning, this is one of those slightly scary areas for accounting firms. How do you address the whole budgeting, forecasting um, service opportunity with your clients? Richard, we try not to overcomplicate it for them, for starters. So, you know, often we might just put last year's figures in and we tweak it around what's coming up. But the best thing, the best power comes through planning of debtor days and all that sort of stuff and stock days and then actually seeing how the cash is going to be affected inside the business. I get sick of the conversation and I don't understand how accountants don't get it. When you sit with a client and you're telling them you've made 200000 for the year and they say, well, I've got no money, where is it? Yeah. I mean, well, mate, you know, your stock's gone from 150 to 250. Your, your debtors are blown out by 100, so you've got growing pains, you know. And then you work out, you know, for every $1 of sale, you've got, you know, 60% tied up in your working capital cycle, but, you know, your GP's only 50%, so to keep growing the rate you're growing, you know, you need more cash. And they're simple conversations, but people don't get it. And, and of course, a lot, a lot of accountants report that 200K profit big surprise to the client and here's the tax bill yeah. and, mm-hmm. they've got, and they've got no money to pay it. And, and the accountant sits back and says, well, that's not my problem. Yeah. And I would argue that, um, you know, if, if you're any half decent accountant, it is your problem. Well, that's why you need to talk to them quarterly, Richard. Like it doesn't go from, yeah. the stock doesn't double overnight. If you talk to them quarterly, you can sort of say, well, guys, you know, your stock's getting out of control. Yeah. And inherently in this, these conversations you're having, Matt, you're educating them as, as you go by asking them these questions and often the most powerful questions you can ask someone are the ones that make them go, I don't know, because you know, it was outside of their awareness, but you've got a big passion around educating your clients. What are some of the initiatives that you've got in the the pipeline around educating your clients, both informally and in a more structured way? Yeah. Okay. The the one I'm working on at the moment is called, uh, it's a program called Thinkific. Have any of you guys heard that? It's an online training program. So, when they sign up for um, our PI agreement again for the next year, they're going to be sent out uh, a Thinkific training video. So it's going to go through why cash doesn't equal net profit. Yes, you are, a, you know, a tax collector for the tax office. So stop winching about. I enjoy doing all that type of stuff. And we're actually going for the the mind shop process, the now where how process. So we start thinking about the business planning type cycle as well. So that's phase one of what we're. I'm doing the videos for that actually next week. So it's all automated. So when they sign the PI, it, a Zapier will go across the thing. If you buy an infusion swap, then it'll send out you know, a link into some training. And then we just want to get some more guest speakers in their office talking about their business experiences. Because one of the things I do hate, you see these life coaches and business coaches and, you know, we can transform your business. Well, okay, well, what business have you transformed? Oh, they haven't. Their own. We're very, we're very <laughs> fortunate. Got a guy coming Got a guy coming to Baptist a couple of weeks' time. Turned he, he took over his dad's business, took it from twenty million oh, to between two and three hundred million in turnover. So, you know, we're running a session with him with some of our you know our bigger customers, so they can learn off him. So, ultimately, we want to be the university for business. 
Are we there? Okay. Not even close, but it'll take us three to four years, but that's our ultimate goal. That is so awesome. And we'll put in the show notes links to some of these apps and platforms you've mentioned, like Thinkific and Zapier and Infusionsoft and a few things that got mentioned there today. So that is so powerful because, you know, in the advisory space, the there's not market um, pull, so to speak, in terms of the average business owner doesn't walk off the street into their account and go, I need this type of advisory service until you educate them to these principles, you know, by asking them questions about break-even point, about cash versus profit. So I think, you know, the old menu of services approach makes me kind of laugh because menu of services is just listing out a bunch of services that are in accounting speak jargon with prices next to them. And the average business owner just looks at them and goes, yeah, right. Okay. Well, that's good for you. Mm. Uh, it's mm. not anything that they've come looking for. You don't, you've got to prove yourself. You just can't say, oh, I'm an account. This is a big problem for accounting industry. One day they're an accountant, next day they're a business advisor. It's a transition. Like, it's all yeah. about credibility at the end of the day. You just can't say, oh, now I'm going to tell you how to run your business better. Yeah, mate, you've got no idea about my business. Yeah. You've got to ask the right questions. and It's, an, it's a process that takes years. And I've learned that the hard way. I like that because advisory at the end of the day is humans connecting and, and, and exchanging value. Um, and, yeah, as you say, you can't flick a switch. Uh, you know, if you're not even running your own accounting practice very successfully, you know, what right do you have to advise others? So I really like that approach. And people think it's a short-term game, and I think it's a long-term game. Oh, uh, I know, I, I know uh, our, our producer will be getting anxious about time, um, but there's definitely... There's proof in what you're doing, Matt, that it can be done uh, if you're prepared to put in the effort and the investment. Just, just briefly on that, you know, what what resources and, and, and you know, human resources, what kind of financial resources, software resources, um, and time have you put into your journey as going from maybe you know a, a, a normal accountant, so to speak, to someone yeah. who can genuinely say they're a business advisor. I could not trap the hours, Richard. I've spent that much time on it. There's no silver bullet in this. There's absolutely no silver bullet. So when you see things out there, you know, oh, you just do this, this, and this, it's, for me, it's all, it's all lies because it comes down to experience and, and asking the right questions. And mm-hmm. the more questions you ask with different clients, the more you learn anyway. But, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to plug Mindshop, but Mindshop have, been a, have a, had an instrumental influence on my life. So... Um, it gives you a lot of good business tools. So we're more, I think I'm more a facilitator than as a consultant. And I think accountants are consultants, for example. They tell you and then they want to do advice and they want to tell you. But often the clients know the answers. It's the questions that need to be asked to get to those answers. And I think mm-hmm. we're, the trick is that it will be a facilitator, not a, um, not a consultant as such, or advisor. Really, for me, the advisory right term is a really bad term. Everyone says they're an advisor. Advisor of what? You know, we're not accounts can't be experts in every industry. It all comes back to asking the right questions and having the right tools to get the right answers out of the client. Because often they don't know they do know the answer. Mm. They just don't know they know it. I like the facilitation word actually. I think that's quite a good one. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Because the, the power is in the question. Answers are kind of easy. If you're asking yeah. the right questions, that's getting them focused right. And inherently, when you ask a really good quality question, that's building their trust and belief in you as an advisor because they're thinking, wow, I hadn't thought about that before. 
you're not yeah. just sitting there and talking at them for half an hour. And then see the the hero too, but you're not. You're just asking the right question. Yeah, beautiful. Can I ask Can one I last answer? question? Yeah, sure. Uh, Matt, before you mentioned, I think the phrase earlier was tag team. So by that, you mean you, you know, you're having some team members sit in with you in yes. this meeting. So my question is, what are some of the things that you're doing and you plan to do around uh, uh, developing your team's ability to, let's not say advice, I uh, might have to change the name of the podcast, Richard, um, to, <laughs> facilitate, to facilitate um, these skills around, you know, what are you doing to develop the team to deliver these? But I want them eventually, firstly, to take over doing all the numbers questions because I want to evolve out of that process and not talk about it at all. So they'll start doing that. But I just want them to listen to see what questions I ask. And then afterwards, we'll sit down and say, this is the where I ask those questions. So for them to go to the advisory role, it takes time. You just can't, as Richard said, you can't flip a switch. So I think you've got to experience it and jump into it. But as accountants, you know, they're a bit scared to do that. It takes a bit of confidence. So... By me sit, having them, me there with them and they can watch and learn, hopefully they can do it themselves in time. That's a two-year process. Rome wasn't built in a day. No, that's right. You can't learn it from reading a book. You definitely You've got cannot. to immerse yourself in the experience, don't you? Yes. Because uh, it's what they found really interesting so far is that how little we actually talk about the numbers and how much time we spend on everything else. And a couple of these team members have come from other firms and they just the difference is light and day. Some great advice there. I think immerse yourself in the experience. Asking questions and listening is, is so powerful. Obviously, getting the financial side nailed, rolling in things like forecasting, but not not focusing too much there um, is also quite powerful. And I think often a common mistake accountants make uh, because it is about the personal and the financial and that whole holistic view as well. Um, Matt, do you have any? last final words or any kind of one thing you, you, you're suggesting that accountants should do to get that um, advisory advantage? Hmm, it's a tough one. I think you've just got to get your friendly clients in and just start asking questions with them and just see what come, evolves of it. But before you even get that, and this one will give you a plug, Richard. As you know, Nick built out our reporting system out of um, Spotlight and customised it. Nick's, Nick's my lovely product manager, for those of you who don't know Nick on the, on the call. And... Um, that generates the questions for me, ultimately, because we do fixed and variable costing, and then under the, the fixed costing, or we call it controllable, now we have operations and a few other different categories and all that type of stuff, or wages, for example. And then we look at percentages, and then we ask the questions, why are these percentages moving? Mm. Then you're away, and then it just evolves. Yeah, and look, just to build on that for, um, on the, topic of spotlight reporting one thing that you've done matt that i see a lot of people not do is some people dabble they sign up for a, you know some sort of app that they think is going to help them with advisory but they don't really invest in properly implementing it and learning it so that's yet another area that you've invested in you know time wise um focus wise is extracting the maximum value out of spotlight my customer success team would be hugging you around about now because their biggest gripe, and they love working with accountants, and some of them are ex-accountants, but the number of times they go in, and, and Matt's just so different, and, and they've given it no time. They've signed up, expected manna from heaven to drift down, and they've given it no time. So, mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think with the stroke of the pen execution, they can just sign up and everything will be fixed. They've got to actually show up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
and one, invest. One last comment too, Richard. It's a really important one, I believe, is, you know, everyone, most old accountants work to, you know, time budgets and all that type of st stuff. And, you know, they think, oh, I've spent eight hours in this job. You know, I can't spend another two hours talking about advisory. I think you've got to look at the lifetime value of a customer. And you don't, some years we make very little money out of a customer, but we set them up for the lifetime value for the firm. And I think that's a really important thing to do. Absolutely. Play, play the long game. Brilliant. Yes. And I think accountants are really bad at that. Really bad at that. Yeah, yeah. If they're being coached to uh, clear out their whip every month and uh, focus on the short-term yields, etc., they're going to be a bit mercenary in the short yes. term with their uh, invoicing. And, and, of course, they're not building value. You know, they're not playing the long game. So that's, that's very sound advice. Yeah. And sometimes, Richard, we'll set up a client on Receipt Bank and Zero and all that for nothing. But we know we're going to automate the, the hell out of it and then we make money forever, forever in the day, the next 20 years, hopefully. Yeah, we're happy customers yeah. alongside. Correct. And it doesn't cost us a lot because we've built the process yet. So if we spend five to 10 hours doing that, it's going to save us at least five hours every year, year in, year out for the rest of the, rest of the client's life. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, there have been a lot of um, specific take-homes there. Over to you, Rich, to uh, wrap us up. Oh, well, I mean, there's just so much to, to wrap. There's some great advice here from Matt, someone who's living, breathing, doing it. And I think that's, um, you know, we, we talk so much about the future of the profession. And um, I, I think the more relevance in the profession we can get and the more we can uh, get the likes of yourself on these and sharing that it's not only possible, uh, you don't need to be a superhero to do it. It's just uh, investing, listening, getting those friendly clients on board and learning from them too. I love that as well. That's how I started. Uh, you you got to work out what you don't know and, and what works and what doesn't. Um, but you've got to invest the time, effort and heart in it. Um, you know, humans do advisory. Humans facilitate great outcomes. So lots of powerful messages there, Matt. And it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Oh, you'll be a...